What's up, guys? Welcome back to Muscle Minds with Scott Stevenson. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by byobbcoach.com. You can go to Scott's, uh, you can get Scott's book there at his website, Be Your Own Bodybuilding Coach. Fantastic book. We're also brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for additional savings on high quality third party tested supplements. In fact, I've got my. I've got my whole big old bag of collagen right here. I take that every day. I do buy and use their supplements. Ask me if you have any questions about their stuff. We're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca. For those of you in Canada, I've seen some incredible deals there, and the deals change week to week. So check their website out. You can find all sorts of great products for exceptionally good prices. And last but not least, for those of you in the UK, Check out Strom Sports Nutrition for some of the best health supplements and health stacks that you can find in the United Kingdom. Scott Stevenson, we're going to talk about some boron today. I'm excited for this. There's the, the actually a good paper people can go find it on Google Scholar. Is nothing boring about boron? <laughs> That's it, a it's very actually, it's really well put together. It's yeah. a very academic joke that you that, that they titled that. Yeah, I like a lot, a lot of really good papers through that. I think it's there's a point where you realize, or maybe the the people who author like that sort of a paper, like this is so good, I can make it. I can be a little bit witty with the title and get away with it. Yeah, Victoria um, likes doing that. She's she's no stranger to that stuff. You know, I I will tell you this. Um, it comes up all the time. We get the question, "Hey, what supplements can I take to improve my testosterone? What over the counter supplements are available that will raise my test?" So this isn't going to directly raise your testosterone, but you can like your total test, but you can get a hell of a lot of benefit from it. You can increase your free test with it. I know that much Um, to get it just out of the way. The big thing people are going to ask, and then we, I want to get into all the science of how this works, but people are going to be hanging on a thread here. How much boron should they take is going to be the first question that we get in the comments. What have what have you heard or experimented with or, or seen people use dosing wise on boron? Well, people are people, a lot of a lot of this. I think this question first came up because people were had heard Dante mention it. Yep. And what he's seen with people, I actually have a. I think when you first sent me this a few weeks ago, I took a quote from Dante's Instagram and just pasted it here just to see what what people are paying attention to. Because literally, when when Dante speaks, people listen. It's totally true. He doesn't, he tells, he just wants to inform people and people are like, oh, you got, you know, you got a conflict of interest because you run a supplement company. It's not like he's making billions of bucks off of Warren. It's dirt cheap. Like he yeah. says, yeah, people are still going to call him on that. You know, they're looking to be. Does Trinitrition even sell Boron? It's probably in something, you know, but I don't yeah. think they sell it. As a, an like a standalone. Yeah. 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 Standalone. Um, so the World Health Organization, I looked this up, World Health Organization, there's an ICE, NIH fact sheet on boron one to three milligrams a day um if you, you have to go up to four grams four thousand milligrams uh, of boron to be lethal oh okay. so boron, could, boron could kill you like you could get a you know a few bottles of boron and you know but that would be obviously way over the top yeah um, so what dante's talking about i think he suggests like two times six milligrams okay which is just the top of that one to 13 milligram per day range yeah, and we're talking about larger people too. Um, the studies that I've dug up used about ten milligrams. Yep, per day. Um, a lot of times, just a one-time dose. Uh, so this is a really, really fascinating supplement. It's a micronutrient, and people don't really know exactly what it does. <laughs> okay, how it works. Yeah, that's the interesting because everyone's like, "Oh, it increases free testosterone," and there is some studies. There are some studies showing that. I've seen um, it. Enhances, yeah, it, right. I have too. Enhances vitamin D absorption. Mm. Um, seems to prolong the half life as well. Same for vitamin E. Calcium, magnesium absorption are also enhanced by this. Hmm. Um, it has some antioxidant and anti. I'm just reading some things I made notes of anti-inflammatory effects. So it's it's one of those things, especially when you have anything that you're deficient in and you add it back, it can be helpful. But what Boron is doing, like to produce the antioxidant effects, is somewhat sort of up in the air at this point. The thing that's interesting about it, it also can improve your lipid profile. And that, if you have um, an anti-inflammatory antioxidant effect, that may just happen because the lipid profile improvement may happen simply as a side effect of just improving your your inflammatory status, so to speak. Yeah. 
but it inhibits serine proteases. So serine proteases are just a type of protease in the body, um, in the cells. And it's got a serine is, is the amino acid that's located where the enzyme binds to whatever protein it's going to break down, giving us a protease. They are all over the place. Hmm. So it's, it has, you throw in something that inhibits a serine protease, you're going to have widespread effects all over. It's, it's, it makes it a massive regulator of metabolism in all sorts of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not like, oh, like, like creatine. We know creatine is found 98% or whatever in skeletal muscle. It's also nerve, other tissues. But we know what its role is in um, energy metabolism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's pretty clear what creatine's up to. But boron is a different deal. It's having the effect. Serine proteases are basically going to affect metabolism and pro- could probably count up a thousand different ways. There's hundreds at least of serine proteases that have been isolated in different tissues, blah, blah, blah. So you do that. It's like, it's like, gosh, I don't even know. It's almost like I'm trying to think of like kind of an analogy. It's, it's like changing something in your gas that makes hmm. it more efficient uh, or less efficient. And it's going to affect the performance of your car in all sorts of ways, or ch- changing the like changing the battery chemistry that your that your car uses have these widespread effects. It could be good or bad. So, um, the original study, and I remember what, this one coming out years ago, came out in like '87 when they first started selling boron. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the dose in the study? I think they gave this is a study with postmenopausal women. Mm-hmm. Let me look it up here real quick so I can get the right dose. Um, I want to make sure I say this. Uh, three milligrams a day. Okay. And um, postmenopausal women, they supplemented them for a month at this level. And estrogen basically doubled, and they doubled testosterone as well. Really? Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. It, the numbers were higher. It seemed to be like there was more so, um, at least that's what they said. The numbers weren't that dramatically different. Basically the same sort of thing, but it seemed like it was more pronounced, at least in the women that um, had low magnesium levels, which may suggest, because boron helps with magnesium absorption, that those women were boron deficient. So as with most of these things, if you've got a deficiency, you're going to see an effect. And that's a difficult thing. Not many people get their boron levels tested, and I even found... Some people suggest it's a really hard thing to, to try to figure out if you're deficient in it hmm. because what you're looking at in the blood doesn't necessarily represent all the compartments in the cells that were born maybe hiding out. Okay. So, and, and hey, if it's not – I mean obviously it is toxic at a certain level, but if it's not toxic at – yeah. yeah, yeah. But if it's not toxic at like 10 milligrams, then why not just – I'm going to try it myself. Like I'm already sold, put it that way. I've, I've never used it personally. I've seen the results. But okay. I'm going to see. I'm going to see after we've already All right. sold. Um, okay, check. Check the second. I sent you two uh, images. Okay. Let's see. Check here. the second one that I sent you. We'll put this one up first. All right. Second image is this one with uh, this one. Let's see here. Yeah. Okay. So this is before and after 10 milligrams a day for four weeks. Men. Um, and those testosterone levels were kind of low normal. I thought I put that in there. I, I did the conversion. Um, let me see if I got it here on my computer. Yeah, it was about that, that, that 20 nanomoles per, per liter is about 600 nanograms per deciliter. So that's pretty normal levels. You see in the guy who was low, that outlier there at the bottom in the on the, the left yeah. graph with testosterone. Real low. That person that person had had an effect. I wish we knew which person that was. They they use they use some color they use shapes and whether the the values were filled or not. And I think that person also saw an increase in, in estrogen. Almost everyone did. So before we get to that, so in this case, no change in, in total testosterone. Okay. Um, but look at estrogen. Estrogen went up. Wow. Yeah, it sure did. In those individuals. So the low testosterone guy, he's running about, 
He's running in the in the high two hundreds, like about two fifty. He had an increase in total testosterone, which is not necessarily known for. Almost universally, with the exception of one person in this particular study, four weeks at ten milligrams a day, mm-hmm. um, increased estrogen, pretty substantially. Whether yeah. you were high or low, yeah, you got a pretty good increase there. So yeah. I don't know how, how I don't know how sold you are now. Necessarily. Yeah. So yeah, you. I mean, I'm seeing. So what I'm and this is. Are you telling me this is total testosterone here? Yeah. This isn't just. So okay. So the testosterone chart. I mean, I am seeing some increases in at least like minimal increases in everyone except for two people. Um. Yeah. But the 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 amount compared to the estrogen spike is not that great. Like the the, the amount of estrogen increase in all mm-hmm. but one person is dramatic. And I guess I'm saying this too for our audio people so that they can follow right. along as well. But a little bit better testosterone in most cases, a lot more estrogen in all cases. Yeah, there's two testosterone that but went one. down. I'm seeing. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, and, and there was no significant change in testosterone, but for that one individual, which is the thing um, I've been harping on for so long, that one individual got a spike. So here's the thing. I mean, just thinking about supplements in general and this supplement, if someone sees an effect from boron or whatever supplement, yeah. they're going to go tell it to the world, right? Of course. If someone doesn't see an effect, they're like, no, nothing yeah. happened, not worried about it. Yeah. So you don't tend to hear those things. So you don't necessarily get a representative sample when you look around and hear, hear back. And this is no, this is, I mean, Dante can only get the, the get the information, the feedback that he gets, right? Yeah. It's not like he can like say, hey, by the way, have you tried boron in isolation for a few weeks to see if it increased? He hears back from the people that it helped. You know, which, and which possibly can do. And the people that I know who have used it have already been on TRT and may have been using an AI, you know, some type of a low dose AI with their TRT and maybe, maybe that kept the estrogen under control or, you know, I, I'll tell you this, nobody I know who's used boron has said, Oh, I started getting gyno. At least they didn't make a core, you know, they didn't correlate it together. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. I mean, we don't have how many people there are, but this is an interesting study that people don't necessarily talk about so often. Yeah. The same basic dose, 10 million, right? Wow. I didn't make, I didn't draw those glass myself. You know, I found that just <laughs> digging in a little bit. I don't even, I looked, I, sometimes I start off with examine.com to see what they have. And I don't think they had this, they didn't make note of this particular paper. Okay. So, interestingly enough, we can put up the other figure now. It's actually a, a table. Okay. Um, and this was from uh, the same group of individuals. Okay, and they uh, they they didn't really mention their previous findings. They kind of blew it off in their discussion. Um, so they did an acute dose boron boron study, ten milligrams, and just looked at. They took the took blood values. I think every two four hours over like an eight hour period, just to see what happened to sex hormone binding globulin, total testosterone, free testosterone. I put up the things that were sort of of, of interest. Mm-hmm. And there they found that sex hormone binding globulin um, went down just a, a t- tad bit. It was significant. So that means it happened with most of their subjects or may- probably all of them. Okay. But it was only about a 10% decrease huh. in sex hormone binding globulin. Total testosterone, no change. Free testosterone, no change acutely. This is just with a single dose. Okay. Um, but they did see that. Um, high sensitivity C-reactive protein did go down, and that's an indicator of inflammation. We mm. talked about it being an inflammatory. Yeah. TNF alpha went down as well acutely. The interesting thing that they didn't make note of, at least that I saw, um, is when you take their total testosterone values and convert them to nanograms per deciliter, they all they're they're healthy and it's funny i i see like and i read several reviews like at least three reviews they talk about this paper this is the most most quoted paper and they mention healthy males and these males i i wrote it in there the app that that those averages um before and, and after are about 250 260 nanograms per deciliter you don't feel too hot at that in some okay. ranges that would be hypogonadal yeah if not borderline or at least or, or hypogonadal 
So that's an interesting aspect of this study that I didn't see discussed. I haven't seen mentioned. What happens if you can't blame people for it, but you go and you look at a study and they say healthy. And if the authors don't make note, they don't couch their findings, for instance, based on something like the fact that they have they studied hypogonadal males, but they just mentioned them being healthy. And the reviewers didn't catch this. Somehow this doesn't doesn't come out as a major important feature, which I think it probably is of what they found here. Mm-hmm. So then they did um, uh, a week of dosing at 10 milligrams a day. Mm-hmm. And here they saw some pretty interesting things. Um, estrogen went down in this case. So it's just one week. So their study was four weeks. Um, so who knows what's going on equilibrium-wise. Maybe things are different over, over a period of one week versus four weeks. This is just a different, it's a different timeline, mm-hmm. right? Free testosterone went up. So basically, and people were looking, it went up about 50%. Um, estradiol went down from 42 to like 26. That's pretty substantial. Yeah, that is. Um, so something's going on there with the conversion of testosterone in terms of free, how much of it ends up as estradiol is aromatized and how much of it ends up as free testosterone. Mm-hmm. Um, Long term, or at least a one week's worth of dosing, no effect on sex hormone binding globulin. Hmm. So that, that dropped down a smidge acutely, but then it didn't seem to be an effect that mattered. But I you know, noticed I put there in that rightmost column, there's one week of dosing, but they didn't give a morning dose. So there could be something going on. Um, the acute dosing, they found SHBG went down. It may be, and this is just me sort of wild-ass guessing, speculating, you take boron, it has its effects on sex hormone binding globulin that are very acute in some way, um, so that its, its values are reduced. It's only like a three, less than ten percent reduction, but it was significant. And then over the next the second twelve hours of a twenty-four hour period, SHBG goes back up to where it was um, because the boron has now left the system. The acute dosing effect is no longer present. Yeah. Who knows? And that could be shifting in the long term what's going on with free testosterone as to dial. So the point of all that would be it may make sense. And this is what Dante kind of suggests. If there's an acute effect on SHBG, don't just take it one time a day. Hmm. If you're trying to free up testosterone, you want to reduce SHBG, at least hypothetically. Um, so you take it twice a day. So you do two times a six gram, sorry, milligram dose. Yeah. And get yourself to that 12 milligram daily dose by taking it twice a day um and that and that isn't a dosing regimen that's been tested ah. but that's, that's that i know of they've been doing once a day dosing so there's some interesting things here this is the cool thing when you look at the data like okay let's kind of figure out what the hell happened here if you got to go back and read the meth and say okay they didn't test they didn't have it they hadn't had a dose for 24 hours mm-hmm. they found a, an acute effect when they gave it and they just measured over the course of the next like eight hours or so. But that effect wasn't present a week later when there was nothing in the blood as far as an acute dose mm-hmm. on the morning of testing because they gave them a, basically a 24-hour washout period, so to speak, or at least a 12-hour washout period. So um, looking at the one-week effects, um, because this we got IL-6, interleukin-6 went down, TNF-alpha went down, so we're seeing reductions in inflammatory factors the crp went down as well or didn't it didn't go down significantly that's at the very bottom there um but because of the change in free testosterone and estrogen we're seeing favorable changes in the ratio of free testosterone to total testosterone and free testosterone to estrogen and testosterone to estrogen or estradiol Hmm. okay so we got this inflammatory thing going on um which is nice reduction in inflammation not a bad thing um Something maybe acutely going on with sex hormone binding globulin, and then something about all this is changing how testosterone may be handled, at least in this study, with what I see to be basically hypogonadal males, which yeah. you didn't see in the other study when the testosterone free testosterone levels were twice as high. Mm, okay, the first one we talked about. In that case, estrogen went up. So just these are just two studies. We can't say much, but if you if you if you're someone, for instance, who's going to measure um, free testosterone and you want to look at boron, you might pay attention. Get total testosterone done. Don't skimp on that. Yeah. Maybe get these other things measured too. 
high sensitive C-reactive protein is a great thing to get measured just to get a general idea of your inflammatory. Um, although it didn't change in one week here, that'll give you an idea of what's going on there. Mm-hmm. SHBG, see what's happening there. Um, and then, then you've got a decision to make whether you take your, your boron dose in the morning when you get your blood tested. Yeah. Or if you don't like they did in the study. So you take it the day before after you've had it for your sixth or your seventh day in a row. Hmm. And then you go in and see what's going on. So this study would suggest hypogonadal males may benefit the most, whereas eugonadal males may have an elevation of testosterone Hmm. potentially in this, in this limited day. So the question then, the thing that I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what the hell's going on here? Like, why, why is this happening? Like, why, like, what, what's, what's the, what's the underlying mechanism here? And there's a whole a study, another paper, the title that is several effects of boron are induced by uncoupling steroid hormones from their transporters in blood. Hmm. So um, there's, and, they, and the whole paper basically is going into the, the effects whereby boron may, may end up, regardless of the SHBG levels, uncouple or dis- tend, to a- tend to cause a greater dissociation or less binding of androgens, estrogens, even progesterones or progestins. And if you're on, if you're on something, if you're using gear, then yeah. you've got a whole other situation potentially as to what you're dissociating versus what's, what's staying bound hmm. because boron is ca- maybe causing some dissociation and changing the binding hmm. affinity and the relative affinity of SHBG to all of those sex hormones that it binds. And then if you've got other gear in the, in the mix, then you've got, you know, an even more complicated scenario to deal with. Okay. So it's not as cut and dry as I initially wanted to think it was. It's but it's cool, right? It's interesting. So it's, it's kind of worth a shot, you know? So that's, that's one particular, particular, um, uh, mechanism. There's a whole paper about that. And this, um, nothing boring about boron paper. Their suggestion is that, it increases the half-life of sex hormones by reducing the activity of the degradative enzymes. Oh, wow. It also has an effect on vitamin D, so it increases vitamin D. It has, yeah. has a nice effect on bone growth and, and bone strength, bone density, bone mineral density. So if you're having this widespread effect on serine proteases, um, in this case, you're infecting the proteolytic enzymes in some way, you may be then reducing the extent to which estrogen – testosterone is being broken down because there is turnover naturally. Like if you inject testosterone, it does, it's not like your testosterone levels just keep going up and up and up. It gets broken down eventually. Um, this, a large part of this paper is devoted to gathering the evidence to just, okay, it's maybe affecting the degradation. So you've got a longer half life. So you've got higher levels. So the levels are, you've got a production level and then the half life is longer. So, the balance of what's being produced versus how, how fast it's being broken down changes and your blood levels are elevated because of that. That makes sense. Yeah. And that would then shift the dynamics between free testosterone and estrogen, depending on the relative effects on the degradative enzymes for testosterone and estrogen, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's pretty, not so cut and dry, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, almost as bad as L-carnitine. Like not yeah. quite, <laughs> but it's, but it's pretty crazy and pretty and pretty cool. So, yeah, that's cool. Uh, intro, intro, what's that? I was just say one more thing. Interesting, interesting thing is that someone could be taking boron. Um, let's say, think of that first paper that I um, that we looked at, where they where I had the testosterone not really going up, but estrogen going up, and someone would be like, oh, "I'm taking the boron to get more free testosterone," and if that's not happening, but they're elevating their estrogen. Not that you want to become deficient in boron, mm-hmm. but it might make sense to not supplement your boron to bring your estrogen down. Mm, yeah. Right? If it's go- it's higher than you what you want. And some of those individuals in that study had some high estrogen levels. So yes. The, I estrogen. don't know if you yeah, I don't know if you had this information, but Andrew Nolan asked, uh, was it a chelated boron? And he said, um, or use Aquium to help absorption of boron. I think in the one study I noted that the type they used, um, the second it was to- sodium tetraborate, so that's chelated. Okay. As the same, I can look up the um, look it up in the. It's the same authors. 
that mm. did both of those studies, the same first author. So it's from the same lab. Okay. Let me see if um, I can see if they see what they posted or what they put. Uh, let's see here. Nagi. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Like, let us know about these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I see a lot of times they don't yes I see we have a listener question here and I got a few more guys so we'll get to that stuff here soon too sodium tetraborate okay same thing okay so yeah that's good that's good anything else we want to cover with this uh before we tackle some listener questions I think I think that's it. That was just the, the deal on on boron. So you know, may maybe it will, maybe it won't increase your. I should have known better. I should have <laughs> known better. Yeah, but but Dante's hearing back from lots of people. That makes sense. The people where it's successful, they, you know, they're going to yeah. get back to say this is great. This is awesome. Yeah, and, and those are individuals who you know maybe if you're a hypogonadal. So if you're someone like we can think about it, like what are the applications? So someone is is trying to take care of themselves. They go on. They come off. Maybe they do some sort of a PCT, but they still tend to be kind of low. Those individuals were hypogonadal in the in the latter study, the more recent study that most people talk about. Although it's not noted in that study, those values were low. Yeah, that would be a situation like okay, part of my PCT or my off time protocol would be make sure I got plenty of boron in place. Yeah, and the double dosing, you know, kind of makes sense given the acute versus the long term data in terms of SHBG coming down. So, yeah, we're far from like a you know optimized protocol like. If this, then that. But those are some factors that people can consider whether they want to add it in. It, like Dante said, it's dirt cheap. Yeah. And, and I have seen, too, good results, you know, with, with clients yeah. over the years who've been either we decided to try it or they were already using it while we, you know, mm-hmm. when we started working together. And I've seen right. benefit. So and they, you know, so I would say definitely kind of like with the L-carnitine, we brought up a lot of questions with that. But at the end of the day, though, I've still seen really good results with it. So as many questions as it as it brings up, it doesn't always mean, you know, because I think here in bodybuilding, we look at things in a very black and white way, whereas all of a sudden, I think some of the info about L-carnitine or maybe some of this info, you could look at it and be like, oh, well, boron doesn't work. And it's not that black and white, I guess. Yeah. And the beauty of the first study, the older study where estrogen went up in, in almost all but one of the subjects, I think. Yeah. Was that they showed the individual data. Okay. Yeah. And that's the thing. You're going to have an outlier, right? You're going to have someone for whom it works. Could be the placebo effect. Placebo effect is massively underestimated. And under, and be, misunderstood or, or just not understood. Well, interestingly enough, um, there's a guy uh, who's done a lot of research in this. There's, there's like 30, 28 different, at least as of a study, a, 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 um, that's the German words that come into my head. The last time I talked, this was in German, but there's a review article mm. from 2018. Okay. Um, people can look up the, um, the book, the web that has no weavers by an acupuncturist who now switched over to doing sort of the biological study of, of, uh, the placebo effect. It's like 28 polymorphisms oh. that are associated with having a greater placebo effect. Damn. So one of those is, um, is the, 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 gene that you have for catechol-O-methyltransferase, which breaks down dopamine. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. C-O-M-P. Oh, we may have talked about this. Yeah, exactly. I've talked about so, that with Dr. Dean. Dr. Okay, Dean St. Mark. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you have a lower activity of C-O-M-T, you're going to have a higher level of dopamine with greater arousal in your brain. Yeah. And that's associated with a greater um, placebo effect. No kidding. Because you huh. can just think of it as enthusiasm. Like, yes. It's like, Oh, this shit's gonna work. Like, yeah, give it to me. Let's go, baby. Let's go. As opposed to, you know, like like the, kind of the party pooper. It's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. So I think vitamin E, there's something else that inhibits COMT, and there's actually a drug that does it too. So like the the um, the, the the future of, of of drugs in part are gonna be co administering drugs or supplements that impact the, the relative activity of the enzymes or the biology of the individuals that's related to their susceptibility or lack thereof to a placebo effect. Yeah. So you give them the drug that has the mechanism of action that does what it's supposed to do to for whatever it may be, and then you give the placebo effect on top of that. So if the drug doesn't really do its job, yeah. you've got a placebo effect, and then the two can synergize, and perhaps you can get an even better deal or less drug, 
more placebo, yeah. less side effects. That's so, that's mind yeah. blowing. All right, listen, yeah. we got a few listener questions. Let me see what I have here. Hey guys, I'm going to take a brief pause to shout out our advertisers. I'm going to try to make this quick, but keep in mind, they're responsible for helping us to put these shows out. If you guys want to support our programming, of course you can do so through Patreon. And thank you to everybody who supports the show through Patreon. I will have links to that below, as well as to all of our advertisers. If you shop with our advertisers, you'll get great products, products that I stand behind, and you'll also be supporting our programming. First of all, check out truenutrition.com if you're in the U.S. I use their hydrolyzed beef collagen every day. And I use their citrulline malate, beta alanine, and EAA on days that I train. They have high quality protein powders and tons of flavors. Hit me up if you have any questions. Use our code THINK over there. You'll get some additional savings, plus you'll support our programming and you'll get some high quality third-party tested supplements. If you're in Canada, check out supplementsource.ca. They have blowout deals on top name brand supplements. Uh, they constantly have different things happening. So be sure to go to their site and check them out. I recently saw Carbolin for like 30 bucks off. I mean, you really can't beat those prices. Plus they have free shipping over $99. If you're in the UK, then you probably already know about Strom Sports. They're one of the leader in health supplements in the United Kingdom. Strom Sports Nutrition has standalone supplements like NAC and Tutka, and they have finished blends like Support Max, a high quality, well-priced on-cycle support stat. I've links below to everything. Thanks for watching. Thanks for your support. These are from YouTube. Ted and Chuck is the last name of that author. People are wanting the web that has no weaver. Ted okay. Chuck is the, is the guy. Yeah. And okay. if you guys have any questions that you want to add into the next show, then feel free. Comment on the YouTube page. Uh, plus, we try to take DMs off of Patreon. Thank you, everybody, who's helping to support the show through Patreon. And we have our Facebook group, too, for Think Big Bodybuilding Media. Um, and speaking of which, if you guys aren't subscribed... Let me encourage you to hit the hit the button, you know, subscribe to us, hit the bell, all that, because we do have several bodybuilding podcasts coming out each week and we have Scott with us. We get, we knock out at least a couple of these per month. So anyway, uh, I'm just going to grab what I found here from the top uh, question for the next show. Both Scott's perspective. What is too high for fasting mm -hmm. glucose levels in the morning? I run 102 on uh one day and 96 the next i never go above 106 to 108 but never go down below 90 any thoughts on the dawn phenomenon thanks guys from fellow south floridian is that how you say it? it's floridian and dog lover uh floridian. To hit floridian that sounds better um <laughs> and have been in the iron game for nearly 40 years what's up michael good question um Leave the question up there so I can see the numbers if you could. Sure. So, I would that. Yeah. Absolutely. He's, so here's the thing. Yeah. The reason is why why is your blood, blood glucose high a little yeah. bit? Um, 102 on one day, 96 on the next. What what's, what's the pattern? Is it because of what you've eaten the day before? Or is he doing mm. some sort of, a, you know, a nutrient patterning? So he eats a bunch of carbs late at night. Um, for instance, in the next day, he's got elevated blood glucose because the previous meal. That's one of the, the dawn phenomenon is typically something that diabetics worry about with like middle of the night or like three or 4 a.m., two to 4 a.m., something like that. They'll get an elevation in blood glucose. Um, so the problem there is that if you have sort of this, this while you're sleeping, this, this unknown, if you don't have like a, a, a constant blood glucose monitoring system implanted in you, you're getting elevations in blood glucose that you're unaware of because it's happening when you're sleeping. Um, and then you've got um, all the issues that come with elevated blood glucose in the long haul. So um, that would be the problem for diabetics. I don't know that he's, Michael's got this issue, but um, yeah, I would just see what, I mean, that's, that's, those numbers kind of jump out me as, jump out at me as something that someone who's using growth hormone might run into after a while. I can see you know, that too. Yeah, that's the first thing kind of thought of. Not, not not making any accusations, Michael, but I would figure out what that is. It could be your body fat's relatively high. This is mm. just genetic, genetic predisposition. Yeah, um, you're doing something different when you get down to 96 versus the 102. Um, maybe do more of that and less of the other. <laughs> whatever it might be. Yeah, that would be a good. I think a good start is to think about because, like you know, if you had a higher carb meal in your last meal of the night. That for sure can affect what it looks like in the morning. Um, oh, yeah. I've seen people do really well with, well, before I get to that, I'll say this too. We talked about, somebody mentioned uh, high fasted blood sugar uh, the other day on uh, blood, sweat, and gear. And Andrew had mentioned cortisol, saying that 
you know, higher stress hormones can be a factor with that too. And that he's actually seen that in situations and he's done testing for it, uh, like a take home test that you check, I think like four times through the day so that you can measure your stress hormones through the day. Um, it just being another possible thing. And then the other thing I was going to mention was just like a glucose disposal agent. I wouldn't say just jump to that first. You know what I mean? I think your point is better to say, figure out what the, the root cause is. But yeah. then if let's say we found out it was growth hormone, then something like berberine in your last meal could be helpful. And also too, I'd want to see what his postprandial uh, blood sugar looked like. Like how are you responding to carbs like you know one hour after a big carb meal and two hours after a big carb meal what does it look like there you know yeah like, like let's say it's one of those it's the night before one of those 102 in the morning days yeah and he eats like a normal size carb meal because he trained late you know nothing nothing outrageous and his blood glucose goes up to like 350 or 400 yeah and stays there for like eight hours and he's just getting back down to 102 that's one scenario or the other scenario is it goes up, you know, to like 150 and it comes back down to 102 and it's just staying at 102 um, a little bit, a little bit higher for, you know, six, five, six hours. Yeah. Totally different area of the curve, totally different effect on um, your, uh, the costly hemoglobin, et cetera, et cetera. So. All right. I'll take this one off the live stream here. Luke's hanging with us. Um, and I he... want to say one, one thing just because it's yeah. kind of related. Really fascinating, actually. Um, sorry about that, Scott. That's all right. Um, you'd mentioned berberine, and people are thinking, oh, glucophage, metformin, take that. And I heard from someone, I don't think she listens to the podcast, but she'd been using um, pretty high levels. I'm not going to just like pretty, really high amounts of glucophage. It's got great health benefits. It wasn't like, oh, she's abusing anything like that. She wasn't taking, like, you know, wasn't taking spoonfuls of it. But <laughs> she decided to take a break from that, and she's growing like a weed. No kidding. Yeah. Just removed that. And yeah. she's like, she's like, it's like I'm on a cycle or something. It's just crazy. I'm just growing like, like mad. Just really cool. Yeah. And she just came off, off that. So that inhibition of mTOR, the activation of AMPK, the inhibition yeah. of mTOR that happens alongside, you know, this was a, just a case study of one person who's using a high amount. Someone who trains hard, nutrition's on point, everything's dialed in. There's no cycle involved, none of that kind of stuff. Just the one single factor. This is of the people that I, you know, interact with. She's there's no doubt in my mind that she there wasn't anything else that was involved with this. It was just that one thing because she's very she's she's basically a scientist. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so she and she and she was growing like mad. So just a thought for people who've been taking it long term. They just have it in there. We get going on supplements like I just take my berberine, take my glucophage. Yep. Like I'm trying to grow and do all these other things. You're looking outside of what's already in the boxer with you, right? Yeah, it's like that daily fifteen hundred milligrams or two thousand milligrams of glucophage might be the thing that's keeping you from getting more size. I couldn't agree more about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's an example of like I thought that was really cool, and I'm glad I just threw it in because it, it did did fit in with the question. It's a good yeah, it's a good reminder too. Um, okay, yeah. Luke's question was: He says I'm feeling mega burnt out right now. A year post show now, ten months gaining, two months mini cut with regular deloads seven to 10 days each, but they aren't reducing the mental fatigue anymore. Uh, what would you guys suggest? Hmm. That's a great question. Leave that up for a little bit, just cause I like, I like to kind of peruse it and look at yeah. it. Um, where there's a, why there's a how, right? That's a, so when you know why you're doing something, there's a, there's a how you'll fight, you'll figure out how to do it. And what's behind that is motivation. So you got a mental fatigue and just literally like being excited about what you're doing can change everything. Hmm. Literally, it can completely, I have so many like personal stories that I've kind of gathered in my head about this idea, but like an easy, the easiest one is our mental perspective on stuff can change our physiology and literally what's going on dramatically. Ever notice like when you're driving down the road, this is just famous, like kind of easy one. You're driving down the road and like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. There's a there's an exit like eight, ten miles away. Mm -hmm. And you like had to just barely go to the bathroom. I'll just take the next exit, you know. And then when you get to the gas station, and you think about going to the bathroom. Like, oh, my God, that's all I can think about. I just have to pee so bad. Yeah, yeah. 
that's just because you know that you're near the toilet and your body is like totally just boat taking control. So this mental fatigue thing, it may not be he's at, he's sort of directing it towards his training, having a deload, all those things make total sense. Yeah. But this sounds like not that he's depressed, that he needs to go see a, a counselor or, or get Medicaid or what have you, but um, mega burnout. Like you can't be burnt out if you freaking love what you're doing. You know, I like you could that. be overtrained yeah. or getting close to it. You could be doing way too much. But um, so there's something about like the way he's going about it or the way his things are in his life are coming together. I would I would guess that is reduced his enthusiasm because he's doing the things that are right. I mean, there, he could be hypogonadal. There could be physiological mm. reasons. Yeah. Um, so you can get all that tested. You can go through that whole rigmarole. He may have a coach that he's working with. Luke, I'm guessing Luke is a coach. Don't know that for sure. But um, so he knows these things. Like, it sounds like he's got a good, good um, approach to things, but kind of ask yourself like, so why, why am I doing this? Hmm. You know? And then, then when you have that why, then you find the hows and you just get excited about the what. Like, what am I going to do? I can't wait to go train. I'm sorry, shit. It's going to hurt, but I love to train. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. If, if I were feeling like in that same position and then somebody said to me, Hey, you've got an opportunity to go visit your favorite pro for a week and train with him. I, I don't care how I felt before. I would be so freaking pumped to get to yes. spend that week just training my ass off with this, whoever that pro was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It would just be so excited about it. So it's just, yeah. it's enthusiasm. And so change your program, huh. you know, yeah. do, do go, switch from switch to one of, buy one of John Meadows programs. Yeah. You know, got so many of them out there. They're just awesome. Or learn fortitude training, go to fortitude training.net. There you go. People love it. That's the biggest thing. Literally, seriously, people yeah. dig, because it's so, it's so different. fun, you get to go in there and mix it up. It's different. Yeah, it's huge, and a novelty can can spur growth. Um, yeah, it was you, Scott, that really helped me to understand that. And I say this: anybody that works with me who's watching this, they've probably heard me say this about training. That you know, they they want to work on. People will come to me. Part of the thing is like, hey, okay, what training split should I do? And there would have been a time in the past where I would have said like okay, this would be a perfect split for you. You should do this, you know? And, mm-hmm. and now I realize that I don't care uh, what the split, I mean, obviously you may have more benefits to say like higher frequency, for instance, for, for mm-hmm. some people, but um, it doesn't matter if they don't enjoy it. Like that's the most number one important thing to making progress is that you enjoy the split that you're doing, right? I was on one of these, um, one of my German meetup groups and someone asked me, so what do you do? And I'm like, oh, blah, blah. So like, what's the best diet to lose fat? And I said, the one you can keep to. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, what? And I had to say it. I had to repeat myself for like 10 minutes because they're like, <laughs> come on. Like you're supposed to tell me something cool and complicated. Keto, have some you know? Yeah. Right. And we all know that here. It's the same thing as far as training goes. Sure. Exactly. Like you said, there could be something, but the thing is, you may be able to take a less than optimal split or frequency or volume. And because you're enjoying that general pattern, then you realize, okay, I like to train frequently. Um, but I know that if I do too much volume each session, it just doesn't work and it's not as much fun. Yeah. So you literally optimize the fun you're having by reducing the volume. So you make more progress and guess what? Progressive overload takes charge and then you end up making more progress as far as muscle mass and, and progress as bodybuilder. Hell yeah. And, yeah, so you're just you're auto regulating your fun. Like yeah. that's that's the answer. Like auto regulating your enthusiasm. I like know? that. And it could be maybe you need to take a month off. Like mm. Ronnie used to take months off, right? He did, didn't um, he? Yeah, Dexter, he Dexter would, did as well. Dexter would take plenty of time. Lots of yeah, lots of that's an old school thing. A lot of guys would Arnold would did that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Those guys would just they go and just have a blast, do their own thing, you know, and um, Kevin Leveroni, not that everyone's got his type of genetics. A lot of successful people have done that. So if you're not, you, you just, you can stay and you can, you can basically, uh, put yourself into a place where you're, you're producing a, ha- you're creating a habit out of forcing yourself to do something when you meant have too much mental fatigue and you don't have the enthusiasm for doing it. And that's not a good habit to have, right? You want to create the habits that so, yeah, get out of that rut and just start doing stuff that you like. And then when you enjoy the training again or you want to train, go. DC training, go back to that. Like one of the things that Dante used to say and when I was doing DC training with people, 
um, was like, and this is sort of how I have it set up in Fortitude. This is how I have it set up in Fortitude training is that you want to be like, maybe you're two days before you're supposed to go back and you're like, man, I really want to train today. And then, or three days out. And then two days out, you wake up like, oh, I want to go to the gym. I want to go to the gym, but I need to rest a little bit more. One day out, you're just absolutely chomping at the bit. And then you go in there and you're just like, okay, give me this fucking shit. I'm going to town. You can't, you can't stand it. You want to go back. Yeah. So he hasn't done that with his mental fatigue. It doesn't sound like he's, he's still going back in when he hasn't recovered. And it can take, if he's, if he's overtrained, you know, or like non, he's basically, he's going through non-functional, functional overreaching when he's doing these deloads. Right. So he's not getting back to the place where he's just chopping at the bit. Like that first session back, especially with fortitude train, the way I sort of spaced it out, it works so well for people. I've mentioned some million one times, but they come back in because they pro- probably, many of them haven't done that kind of a deload and their progress is just mind boggling. They just have sprung forward. Right. Um, based on what they're using previously when they look at their logbook and they go back to doing loading sets where their progressive overloads the focus. So make it, instead of 10 days, you know, make it 20. Oof. Go and do something fun, you know, or 15. Like, as long as it takes to where you, like, you just can't wait to get back in there. Focus on your sleep. So I'm going to get, I'm going to get, you know, a massage every other day, you know, instead of training, I'm going to get a massage. Substitute the training, which is inroads into your recovery with recovery modalities. Yeah. And just basically do the opposite of what you would be doing when you're training, which is beating yourself back down again and get a massage, take a nap. Hmm. Afternoon naps can be drug-like. Yeah. I found that out. If I can fit, fit an after, as long as I don't to go too long where I can't sleep at night, like a little cat nap in the afternoon, it's like start a new day. Anyway, there's lots of things that can be done, but hopefully that helps. All right. We've got a couple more here. Uh, once again, I'm, pulling these from YouTube. And if you guys want to take part in the next show, then definitely comment with your questions. Um, Okay. Do you think it is possible for someone to have a decent career in bodybuilding with a torn pec tendon? I have torn mine back in June tendon junction at the humerus. I have yet to do a show, but I have aspirations of stepping on stage. Well, everyone knows that Kevin Lavroni sucks, Tony Freeman sucks, and Hunter Labrada. Yeah. All three of those are <laughs> awful bodybuilders. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, like those people are, are proof that you, once you're torn pack, like that's you're game done. over, baby. You're done. Yeah, you you're might done. make it to the Olympia still, but. You know, it's kind of kind of <laughs> like, you know, when you when I, I, I am Iron Man, he snaps the fingers, game over, right? It's just there that you snap the pec tendon, game over for your bodybuilding career. Yeah. That's how it is. I've known a lot of people to tear a pack. Is it ideal? No. But you know what? There's a lot of things like he said he's never stepped on stage. You can you can have. Let me say this. Like we we have it in our heads that we need to be absolutely perfect. My thought would be go to a contest first. Go like see it for yourself. Maybe he hasn't been to a show, a state level show and see what the competition looks like. You know, you will see people that are going to be much better than you. But, you know, you'll also see some people that have flaws. You know, you'll see people that have, they're a little bit older and maybe their skin doesn't get in t- as tight around their lower back and midsection anymore. You'll see somebody with terrible acne. You know, you'll see somebody with a torn pec. And and these are all things that it and, and a lot of these things will say maybe weren't in that person's control. But it doesn't mean that you can't still have like the best physique that you possibly can have. You could have one leg and still go and compete and have a blast and possibly mm-hmm. do really good. You know, I've seen that more than once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It depends on what he means by career. Um, yeah. I mean, does, he, does that mean like, you know, going to the top of bodybuilding and like being a successful competitive bodybuilder and success is totally relative, right? Yeah. Um, if he wants to be, have a career like with social media, you don't have to compete at all. Hmm. I'd almost go so far as to say that like, if you look at the sheer number of social media influencers, many of them have not competed or they've just competed once or twice, but they're just really good business people. Million, and million followers, you know, yeah, sponsorship it's just, it's just, ads and all that. Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Scott, I got a question for you. What's the craziest thing you've seen on a bodybuilding stage? Like, Ooh. like, like I didn't see this. I just saw the video. There's one of a guy competing at a, a competition in the UK. 
and he had a crazy abscess in his delt. And it popped on it stage. Popped. Yeah, and it's yeah. like it's like he's like, he looks back and he looks at his delt and it's like oh shit, like yeah. my delt just exploded. That was weird. Yeah, that um, was pretty messed up, man. I'm trying to yeah. think if I've seen anything stranger than that. I did see a girl at the Olympia pass out uh, in, yeah. and I believe she was in. It was in figure, I believe. This was 2018, and she just mm -hmm. she started going down, and some people came from behind the curtain and kind of shuffled shuffled her away. That's not the only time I've seen people pass out. I've seen yeah. stuff backstage of people who had way over dehydrated. I remember yeah. giving this girl some some of my own Pedialyte, being like, "Here, just start drinking this. You're gonna need it." You know, sitting on the stage, sitting on the stairs. And saying, like, I'm not going to be able to go on stage because she, she way yeah. overdid it. I, I don't know, though. That video of the, the rear delt popping <laughs> and whatever came out of it, that ooze. I remember that he Plus, yeah. he tried to, like, almost play it off for a second. And then he was like, no, there's no, he's got to stop. And he had to leave the stage. Yeah. Yeah. That was so gross. Yeah. I, there was, a, when I did the, in 2009, I think it was, he did the Junior USAs. Yeah. And um, at the prejudging, a guy passed. He, he, we got we didn't get through the quarter turns, and he he started cramping. Oh yeah, um, and he had to leave. It looked great. He went and he just ate up like crazy. Mm -hmm. um, put on like I think I remember he said like fifteen pounds, maybe twenty pounds, just like just just whatever. He got back on stage that night. They let him come back on stage, and they judged him, even though he hadn't done prejudging. He literally didn't even make it through the quarter turns, and he got second. He almost won the class. <laughs> it was kind of weird. Dang. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Only other one was a guy, super nice guy, yeah. who used to compete in the Arizona shows. Just popped in my head for whatever reason. He um, yeah. had an umbilical hernia. Okay. A, a big one that stuck out like four or five inches. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you'd see him and just, you knew it wasn't this, but you see him and it just looked like, looked, looked like he had a penis. Like his, like his, like his pants had been pulled down because this thing was sticking oh. out. It looked like, like oh. but it wasn't and you're like oh. oh my god go to the hospital yeah and it happened over the course of the years like he was in many shows that i had done and it got bigger and bigger and then finally i think he wasn't i didn't compete in the show when i saw him and i'm like you just like just you're like you kind of like it was kind of like a car wreck where you just you can't help but look a little bit like yeah what is going on that was that was odd Peck tear, peck tear is nothing compared to this yeah. you know yeah. you see a lot yeah. of peck tears you do and and it's unfortunate, mm -hmm. um, but you know what? We, we none of us are perfect, and that doesn't mean that you can't compete if you aren't perfect anymore. Uh, can mm -hmm. you can you take it all the way to the here? Here's a thought too, by the way. If you have a fantastic physique and a torn pec, and you are way better than everybody else, otherwise, you could still win a show. You know, Hunter LeBron, like those people I named. Like, yeah, it's funny. Hunter's gotten bigger and bigger, and. He's probably learned how to. Sometimes, if you contract a yes. tear, it flattens out. You can see the divot more so, yep. and you can learn how to contract. Like, like some guys, they, they kind of know how to contract like the lower pecs to raise their pecs. Generally, when they're doing like a front relaxed, yep, you can contract the lower pecs that raises the chest up. I, I I don't know if he's doing this. He probably is a very. I mean, obviously, he's got probably the best posing coach in the world, right? By way of his dad. Um, but when I see him pose, I don't see the, I mean, I look, I'm like the pec tear is still, it's barely noticeable, but I wouldn't yeah. even see it necessarily if had I not known that it was there. Yeah. Um, Lavroni was the same way, you know, his, his was repaired really well. Tony Freeman was there, but they were just such badasses. Otherwise it's like you said, it didn't really matter. So, you know what um, that reminds me too, cause when you mentioned posing and you can hide gyno to an extent. I've mm -hmm. seen guys that will, if they flex their pecs really hard, it creates a separation from the, like the, the fatty lump. Whereas if mm -hmm. they don't flex their pec really hard and say they're front relaxed, uh, it, you know, mm -hmm. if it's not terrible gyno, they might be able to, to hide it more by letting their chest stay full, not flexing, and then not creating that split, you know, between the muscle to the fat. So that would be yeah. a huge thing is how do you need to how do you need to flex your pecs in the future to, 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 to minimize the appearance of the tear? There was a guy, um, he was a buddy of mine. I haven't heard from him for years, but he did the, he won the Arizona, I think the year before I won it, like 2000, 2007, maybe he won. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was John's issue? I don't remember what the medical term was. I don't think he, he, he may have even told me once, but I don't recall. He had um, a differential left to right, like an asymmetry 
in muscle size um, that was a nervous system related in oh, some way. Oh, yeah. Um, the further you went from the midline. So okay. on his good side, his forearm was just ridiculous. Yep. And on the bad side, it looked like he'd never trained. Okay. It, looked, it wasn't, didn't look necessarily withered, yeah. but compared to the other one. So like he actually had gotten, um, I don't know what care, but he actually got a, ca- a calf implant on oh, wow. the leg because you didn't see it so much in his quads and his hams maybe a little bit, but the calf was substantially different. Yeah. So the forearm and the arms were different and the delts were closer and the pecs were basically identical. Damn. Maybe a little bit of difference in the back. So he was a really good poser, tremendous poser. And what he would do, he'd do his, his front relax. You can't see me because of the camera. I'm too close to the computer. But he would, he would, sta- he would do it asymmetrically a little bit, you know, yeah. just one foot, a little bit to the side. Um, almost how, like, you see sometimes people do a, a side tricep, but they're actually facing the judges. Yeah. So they're, sh- they're showing, like, the, the, the body from the front on. That's how he would do his front relax in a way, like, like sort of a it's like almost like a classic type of front relax you might do for a photo shoot or something like that yeah. and then um i can't remember let's say it was the um the the left side was the small side so they'd say quarter turn to the right when he would be showing the left side and he would they quarter turn to the right and he would wait and wait and wait and and then he would turn real slow and then they'd say quarter turn to the right and then he just keep turning so he never really showed that side they never really saw uh, it okay and then he, and then when he got to the back, he would he twisted everything around a little bit, so he he, he was favoring, yep. showing the bigger side. He just knew how to do this. It was like really smartly done. And then the next quarter turn was coming, and he would anticipate that and turn right into that one yep. and show that side and really emphasize, like do a double cock on the yep. on the uh, tricep, you know, show the arm, bring and attention, like that. Yeah. yeah. And then like he would do like when he do that last turn, he would bring the arm over, yep. you know, um, on the last quarter turn. All of his all of his poses were showing the strong side. Like everything was one sided. He'd do front double bicep, but it was tr- it was twisted. Yep, everything was tw- lots of twisting. And that's you, you know that's the illusion. That's what bodybuilding it was, is. It was beautiful. Like and you saw him like holy shit! Like he looked totally lopsided. He won the Arizona show. Huh. He won that show. Yeah, he he I mean, he beat me. I outconditioned him a little bit, but he was much bigger overall. Yeah, and he won. Came from, came in from California. He wanted to get qualified. He went and did the USA's. Damn, um, you know, like a couple of weeks later, he just needed a qualifying show. Yeah, and, and so it's just a reminder, guys, that it is an illusion. You know, we we yeah. none of us are perfect. What we're trying to cast is the illusion of perfection. It's magic, basically. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Hey, couple quick uh, comments uh, before we got to our last question. I think we have one more. Peter, I just want to throw that up there. It says, glad you got Scott on before Ian wipes the power out next week. And George White had messaged me. Uh, I, I saw this, I forgot, I think, I don't think I responded to him yet, but he had said, Hey guys, uh, he met Dave Henry on Saturday night. He was, uh, out at the Arnold UK. He said, pointed him in the direction of, uh, the, the video that we put up of, of you and him. He hadn't seen it yet. He didn't see that it was up yet. And, uh, George had pointed it out to him. So he, he got a chance to watch it too. So that's and cool. I, and when he did that, Dave watched it. Dave messaged me. Did he? And I'm like, oh shit, yeah. I'm gonna. I gotta. Forgot to put this thing up, so I put it up on my site and tagged Dave. Then, so yeah, that was because oh, sweet. George. So George, yeah, George helped told Dave about it, and he Dave thought it was great. That's was awesome. cool. So that That's great. fucking cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Small world, right? All right. Let's see what else we had here. Um. Uh, oh, this is just this one more comment. Um, he says, I stood this, we, this was from a point we were talking about, um, perfecting the art of your tan. And he said, I stood next to Dr. Scott at the iron Bay classic tan was phenomenal, phenomenal care compared to the other guys, uh, who, uh, bought the tanning provided by the show. His V his physique was awesome too. So that was just a nice comment. Thanks, and then yeah. just. People don't know, like self tan. I spent ten bucks on tan. <laughs> did it at home in the morning because that's the Iron Bay Classic was up in Tampa. Yeah. Um, so I just put my put my tan on the night before, brushed it up the night the morning of, went in, and yeah, saved myself hours because I would have had to drive down there and come back. I'm like, fuck this, I'm just doing it at home. Yeah, it worked great. So, yeah, he mentioned that. And we have one more comment, which I have uh, something I want to say about. 
First, let me read one more question. He says, do you think it's necessary to go over a gram of protein per body weight to grow in the off season? Now, I want to start by saying, because I know the first thing you're thinking, Scott, we just did a show about this in the last several months about how much protein you need. But the next thing I wanted to say is recently when we had uh, uh, Vigorous Steve on drugs and stuff, he had said to Dave, because Dave Crossland said, how do you keep coming up with all these ideas? And he said, well, a lot of it I just recycle because I get people who will ask a question I've already covered. And he said, I, you know, but maybe I've learned more since then. So I'll do it. I'll repeat myself for the people who hadn't heard it. And sometimes more information comes out. And I just actually, I was speaking to Steve right before we recorded. So the last thing I want to say is he said hello from Thailand. Uh, oh, so. sweet. All of that That's said, sweet. that was the question. Yeah. Um, okay. So off season, that's a good number. Start there. The first thing, like we've already kind of talked about, you've got to have enough energy in there to grow. Yeah. So like all of this stuff, we just saw it with the, with the boron. I talk about it in my, why you don't look like a pro biological interindividuality rules the roost. Yeah. So that, that number should give you plenty. Yeah. You're the 200 pound bodybuilder, right? We are, I've done this math a million and one times. You're 200 pound bodybuilder eating 200 grams of protein. Let's say you want to gain an ounce of muscle mass each day, 28 grams of muscle mass. That means about seven grams of protein incorporated. Yep. If you do that, you're gaining over 20 pounds of muscle in a year. That's phenomenal. <laughs> that means you just have seven grams of protein it gets incorporated into new muscle mass into muscle cells as myofibular proteins and the other proteins that are in there you've got 200 you need you, you basically 193 of that is 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 recycled and it's it's not incorporated you need the seven grams available for that yeah plenty that's just a, a smidge of a difference in your nitrogen balance your protein balance so 200 is plenty you go to 100, it's probably not going to be enough, but you have some turnover that you're causing. It's going to depend on the person. Imagine you're doing, you're someone who does well with high volume. You're just a friggin' like machine and you tear down muscle, but you also grow really well from that. So you're doing training six days. You're doing like Ronnie Coleman style stuff or pretty close to that, right? Yeah, yeah. Six days a week, you're spending an hour and a half in the gym, 10 hours of training, and that's how you grow. Yep you're going to probably have more protein breakdown. You might be someone who would be doing, who might do better, you know, with 50 to 60 grams each meal, six meals. Yeah. That's going to put you up above 200 grams. Right. Um, plus you've got to have the energy and it's going to be easier to get that in because you've got so much energy you're expending with that much breakdown. You've also got the potential, you've, you've got an energy expenditure just with the repair, but you're genetically set up so that you can grow that way. Yeah. Under the end of the spectrum, you're a DC training guy all the way. You do this, the two-way split, upper-lower, basically. You train three times a week. You sit at your, your desk most of the time, and that's all your that's your energy expenditure. You need to nail it in the gym, friggin' drive the progressive overload, and train with minimal volume. You're, you're spending half the time, five hours in the gym at most. Your volume in terms of sets is half of that or less, but that's how you grow. Yeah, you might be able to do. You might be able to take in 100 grams of protein less in that situation for that individual. So 200 grams might do it. It's kind of hard if you're eating enough to grow. Literally, it's kind of hard not to get a gram of protein per pound. Yeah, that's unless true. You, unless you just, unless you just like, you just want to eat like rice. You can actually get the U.S. If you just eat protein or just eat potatoes, you can get it's the protein quality's crap. Right. You can get U.S. RDA for protein, 0.8 grams. You know, the US RDI or whatever it was, um, 0.8 grams per kilogram, just eating a carb source, right? Yeah, yeah. It's incredible, incredible protein. So, more important is going to be, I think, you get enough, but you spread it out throughout the day. You know, you take in something at night, those, those other sorts of things. The, enough is, an, is, is important, but yeah, a gram per pound gets you up into the, into the right range, I think. Cool. You just need a little bit. You need enough energy, though. If you don't have the energy, those seven grams don't do shit for you. They just get oxidized hmm. and lost as urea. So. And Luke was still with us. He just wanted to say uh, thanks. Appreciate your time. He said, I oh, used cool. to do muscle rounds with my first coach and enjoyed them. I will discuss this further with my coach. Cheers. And yeah. Muscle rounds are a blast. Yeah. Yeah, they are, man. They are. 
They're cool. <laughs> All right. I appreciate everybody tuning in. We had a bunch of comments that I didn't post up uh, because just, you know, people saying hi. Lucas, Lucas is with us. Chris is with us. I already mentioned Andrew Nolan and um, Octavia. Octavio? 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 He says evening gents. So it is it is later there. And Matt Blevins, as always, has tuned in. What's up, Matt? It is a good show, Scott. This is fun. Got a lot of good yeah. information here, and it was very concise as well. Though I don't know if Boron's the answer for me still. I watched the show. I didn't I don't know still. Right. That's well here's <laughs> the thing, like like mountain dog training. Yeah. I did, I did it with Derek, you know, last year, way too much for me doing it that way with, with the way Derek applied it. I could have not done those extra days. I could have done mountain dog training my way, way too much. Yeah. Works phenomenally for some people. It's like all of this shit, it all matters whether it works for you. How do you know until you try it on, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. So. Says, uh, always here. One of my favorite shows. Thanks, Matt. We appreciate it, man. All right. Well, listen, guys, if you want to check out more from Scott, check out his book, BYOBBcoach.com. That's Be Your Own Bodybuilding Coach. You can also go to Amazon and get the hardcover. We'll have links to all that stuff below, as well as our sponsors. Uh, Of course, uh, in large part, this programming is brought to you by the people who are supporting our show on Patreon. I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, This, You guys literally make this thing happen. Along with our sponsors, True Nutrition, they're our title sponsor, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK for some additional savings and bonus you'll support our programming plus you will get high quality supplements there are some of the best supplements that you can get if you are in canada you can shop with supplementsource.ca you get all the top name brand stuff and you can get it at discounted prices plus uh free shipping over 99 dollars. true nutrition has that too uh for those of you in, you know, in the u.s and um Check out Strom Sports Nutrition, everybody in the UK. They're very well known over there, too. I'm honored to have Strom on our side uh, because they are known for having like really high quality stuff. Um, and, and they're really smart with uh, the, the health blends that they put together. So I'm really grateful to have them behind us as well. For another episode of Muscle Minds with Scott Stevenson, I'm Scott McNally. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Like I said, comment for the next show. And if you're new, we'd love to have you along for our future ones. So hit the button, subscribe. Thanks, Scott. You got it, brother. Peace.